What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Passing Downs Podcast. I'm your host, Rahul Potty, and I'm here with my co-host, PD. PD, say what's up. What's up? And we're back with an episode, kind of in a series that we're having of talking about every QB room in the league uh, now that we're getting closer and closer to the season. And we're starting from worst. This obviously being our second uh, episode, we're going to be talking about the 30th and 29th uh, quarterback rooms in the league that we felt. And boy, is this a rough one. Yeah, no other way to say it. Um, but let's get started with number 30 on our list, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And the Buccaneers are rolling into this season with Baker Mayfield, Kyle Trask, and John Wolford. And Jeez. and Kyle Trask doesn't really have a track record. And John Wolford's track record, at least last season, was pretty atrocious. And we'll get into Baker Mayfield, but that also looks pretty bad so pretty bad <laughs> you, you can you can see why this one is ranked so low the only reason that we ranked other ones lower like the falcons was because there's uh there's a worse prior with uh desmond ritter and we do want to give some credit for uh the fact that baker has been good in the past and um it's possible that he's, yeah it's possible that he has some sort of bounce back season um and ritter is still extremely young and, and all that so um Let's get into Baker Mayfield's time on the Panthers. So in his week one matchup with his former team, the Cleveland Browns, this one did not go well, despite the fact that the box score looks just below average. This this was a rough game. He has a bad fumble and puts the ball in harm's way twice um, with interceptable passes. Takes four sacks. A couple of them were his fault. Despite the fact that he was getting the ball out reasonably quickly, um, I was not impressed with his pressure management at all. This will be a theme uh, for the rest of the season as well. Um, and his accuracy just looks um, his accuracy uh, looks better than the the box score says because he does have a number of plays where he was um, hit or the ball got batted or um, there were throwaways. But um, yeah, just not a good game in terms of protecting the football, um, both in terms of interceptable passes and fumbles for Mayfield in this one. Um, not impressed with this performance, as will become a common theme. Yeah, this was that performance I remember, or that game I remember uh, in this return season for Baker, where it was really hyped up, obviously, it being his former team that he was going up against and a chance to, I guess, redeem himself on a new team. And much like what PD thought, this did not go well for him at all. I felt like this game really highlighted his lack of ability, like, handled the pressure clearly from his stint uh, when he was on the Browns because I didn't think he had particular uh, too much of that, those problems back in Cleveland. Uh, and maybe it was because of a worse offensive line in Carolina, but his pressure management was awful. He was making a lot of mistakes. That was a bit uncharacteristic for him uh, back in his Browns stint as well. And his accuracy dipped. Overall, just not a good performance. And he was starting to look more like a backup quarterback than the almost like top half starting uh, uh, quarterback level we saw him back in Cleveland. Yeah, he does have one deep bomb down the field, but not enough to rescue this performance. Um, so let's move on to the next game when they're in New York. And again, um, really rough completion percentage in this one at 48.3%, 14 for 29. Um, and I thought that he put the ball in harm's way in this one. Again, the pressure 
really getting to him. A number of those pressures were his fault, and uh, yeah, poor performance overall because he wasn't really able to get anything going uh, in terms of both accuracy and pushing the ball down the field. Yeah, this performance was really, really disappointing because after the last one where he kind of showed some flashes, people were hoping he'd maybe build off of that. But this one almost felt like another step backwards. Uh, His accuracy dipped to an atrocious level in this one, as PD pointed out, with 14 for 29. Uh, This one kind of felt like they could never get any offense going, primarily because Baker just couldn't make the right decision. Didn't look like he had any chemistry with any of his receivers. It was just awful offense all around, and Baker kind of just got embarrassed. That does not change in the next game either, where uh, they're at home against New Orleans, and again, the completion percentage is atrocious, and it does reflect his accuracy. Missed a number of throws in this game. Just really, really shoddy footwork. Um, Even though he doesn't put the ball in harm's way, the number of missed throws is is really a hurtful factor for him. Um, And it's not even like he was pushing the ball down the field so that he would miss those throws. It's, It's not deep passes that are causing the accuracy issues. It's the short ones. Um, and that's a pretty strong indicator of um, accuracy and how it projects for the future. So you can really see those issues start to crop up with him. Yeah, I feel like this game, obviously the result was their first win of the season. He got a little bit lucky offensively and amassed how bad of a game it was for him personally because I believe this is the game he threw a short pass to Chenault who took it for like a 67-yard touchdown as well as they had a pretty strong run game in this one although it wasn't the most efficient in the world. But Baker still struggled with a lot of what we were feeling in the previous games. Uh, His accuracy was still not nearly as good as it was back in his Brown stint and just overall what we're seeing out of him in this season. uh, They really couldn't get any offense going, and the only success was when his skill guys broke something loose. He didn't even try to really attack uh, deeper in the field because – it just didn't seem like something he could do and mentally process at this point. Just a disappointing game once again. It does get slightly better in the next couple of games. First one with Arizona. Um, despite the fact that he threw in two interceptions, one of them not his fault, in my opinion. And he was able to push the ball down the field a couple of times. Uh, but again, the accuracy does put a ceiling on, on his level of play. And I thought that one of the sacks was his fault as well. So um, not a great game, but... It's better than the first three, I will say that. Yeah, I'd agree that this was better than the first three, but he had a very, very low bar to follow. And I guess he was a little bit better his because his accuracy improved a bit. And I think it was almost forced because of how bad the run game was in this one for Carolina. Baker kind of had to do something or else this wasn't going to be a good game for them. And a lot of it did still come with just him checking it down to Christian McCaffrey and him doing his thing. I wasn't particularly impressed once again with Baker, but at least he looked like a competent NFL quarterback that they could use uh, maybe and someone who could they could rely on a little bit when their run game was off, which is kind of what this offense was all year long. Yeah, that doesn't change too much in the next game, like I was mentioning a little bit, because Baker does have a couple of explosive plays in this one that were pretty impressive. He does put the ball in harm's way for one interception. Um, But I thought those explosive plays were enough to give him an average performance. And with the standards that he's working with, um, an average performance would be his best game of the season, and it is for him at this point. So, um, yeah, you could see a quote-unquote upward trajectory here, but um, 
yeah, it's 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 not the greatest. Yeah, as a Niners game, this game was a little bit weird for me because it started off with a lot of us doing what we were supposed to against a very bad <laughs> Baker Mayfield and kind of locking them down. And then out of nowhere, uh, we just got a couple of just big plays that Baker made in the second half to keep not really keep them around, but give them some life. It was definitely one of his weirder games, but as a result, it was probably his best game of the season. I do think that interception that he threw was pretty poor and his accuracy still wasn't the best. Offense was still not really doing too much considering he couldn't throw the ball downfield unless it was like a blatantly schemed open receiver. Uh, But I guess it was an improvement. So after this game, Baker's next start comes week nine against, or Baker's next time of playing comes week nine against Cincinnati. Um, it, was, it was pretty sharp, surprising to see him re-enter the game in this one, um, if I can remember correctly. But he did kind of re-energize the offense, I, I would say. Um, put the ball in harm's way one time and wasn't punished for it, but he was able to execute a few throws and kind of put some points on the board when they really had no chance. So probably his second best performance of the season, I'd say, uh, up to that point. Um Again, the, the standard is not very high here, but he played okay in this one. Yeah, you'll say re-energized the offense. I'd rather say the Bengals were up big and did not care anymore, and Baker came in and kind of cleaned up a little bit, stat padded. This is was kind of the definition of stat padding for me. I guess Baker looked good, better than he would have in other games, but it wasn't exactly against a Bengals defense that was trying, so... I took it with a grain of salt. Yeah, definitely fair. Um, goes to face a tougher test the week after, uh, or the, the next game um, against the Ravens. And, um, yeah, the Ravens made it kind of tough for him. He, he looked pretty below average in this one, put the ball in harm's way um, for one interception that I thought was his fault and another one that wasn't really on him, in my opinion. Um, the accuracy, it looked better in this game than it did in maybe the first few weeks, but not the greatest thing in the world, and um, he did take a number of sacks, but this one, the Ravens, like, are a really tough defense to to go up against. Um, I still did think a couple of the sacks were his fault, but not all on him on this in this one in terms of the pressure management. Yeah, you're talking about the test that this was. I would say he failed, but it was definitely an odd game where it was kind of just demoralizing offense for the Panthers. They couldn't get anything going, and that was – Not only because of Baker, but kind of everybody. This Ravens defense was really good, and they kind of had to tighten up because the Ravens offense was not playing too well. And they took it upon themselves to really lock Baker down. And it felt like he was kind of in a box all game. Nothing much was going his way. But at the same time, he wasn't making a crazy amount of mistakes. He did have the one interception, which I think we both agree was his fault. But other than that, was not too many mistakes, but... Not too many positive plays as well either. He was kind of just li- very, very limited and just didn't get much done. All right, so Baker changes teams at this point. Um, after getting released by the Panthers, he goes to sign with the Rams. Um, and they insert him into the game against the Raiders just completely out of nowhere in a primetime game. And he plays probably his second best game of the season, I would say. Like, he was atrocious for all but the final drive, I would say. Um, and 
he makes a couple of spectacular throws, specifically the game winner, um, just in the corner of left corner of the end zone, just drops a dime uh, right down the left sideline. Just uh, like an incredibly funny game to watch if you are not a fan of the Raiders. But um, yeah, I thought his performance overall um, was average. He took a number of sacks that were his fault, I thought. Um, but those two spectacular throws do save him uh, despite those negative plays that he took previously in the game. Yeah, this game was absolutely hilarious. I remember the time when this happened. It was absolutely insane. This Both of these teams were kind of out of potential of making the playoffs at this point in everyone's mind. So this primetime game really had no meaning. And out of nowhere, you insert Baker Mayfield. And he was obviously on a new team, new offense. He looked kind of lost at first. But then to end the game, he had two of like the best drives I've ever seen him have in my life. And uh, he has that dog in him takes for going wild after this game. Uh, I think it's it's summed up perfectly in the fact that he did nothing for majority of the game and had two just incredible drives. The last drive having some of the best throws I've ever seen him make. It, it was it was really funny to see. Uh, and I guess this was a little bright spot. And I sw- there were so many people who swore Baker was back after this game. This was that impactful, to be honest, because it was like a nationally televised game, obviously. A lot more people are watching Baker than they probably had when he was in Carolina. And he kind of tricked people after this one. Yeah, uh, I would say... Um, that performance does not hold up in, in the week after this because um, the the Rams go to Green Bay and Baker plays absolutely horrible, puts the ball in harm's way multiple times and has an ugly fumble. He takes a bunch of sacks that are his fault, um, and his accuracy looks pretty shoddy for most of the game. Um, yeah, nothing really to write home about. He didn't really generate many explosive plays at all. Um, yeah, I... I yeah, I, I leave it to you if you have any more comments. This this was this was a pretty depressing <laughs> performance to watch. This game was yeah atrocious. I mean we've we've said it a bunch of times at this point. Uh, I I don't need a dog pile on him anymore. But this was just another scenario where he was boxed in. This Packers defense at this point in the season was pretty good, and they they were kind of getting into that point where they were rallying wins, and they needed this one. Uh, and I think this was at the point where the Rams didn't really have any weapons either. So, uh, Baker also didn't have much help. It was really just a shit show. All right, let's wrap these final games up really quickly. Um, so this one against Denver, um, Baker finally had a, had a good game. Um, the Rams came out with a good scheme to help him short passing underneath. Um, he made one explosive play down the field. That was pretty nice. Didn't take a single sack. Um, Rams had a great pass blocking day. Um, yeah, played a very efficient game, which was just something you definitely cannot say about um, basically any of the other games other than the one Cincinnati game that he played. So um, kudos to him for performing well in that one. Yeah, this was once again like super unexpected and kind of hilarious that his like only really good game of the season was against PD's Broncos, obviously. So that was quite hilarious. But outside of that, in the game, the... Rams kind of got their run game going against a very injured and demoralized Broncos defense. And Baker kind of played off of that. He was always a who someone who was fundamentally just good off play action and just making simple reads. 
and he had a lot open in this one, and he took advantage. It definitely showed that he was still a competent quarterback, but it wasn't exactly high-level defense, so you can't take too much away from it. Yeah, um, Broncos defense looked like they gave up in this one. Uh, I'm not going to put too much waiting into yeah. this performance. Um, so they finish out the season at the at in quote the Chargers um, <laughs> and against the Seahawks in Seattle. Um, for this Chargers game, again, kind of, kind of a rough one. Um, one turnover they played that doesn't go into the box score because it's a dropped interception, and the accuracy didn't look very good. He was able to push the ball down the field pretty aggressively for most of this game. Um, took a sack that I thought was his fault. Um, but really the, the the consistency element of it was, was kind of missing for a lot of the game. And um, just the one throw from Baker wasn't enough to make up for the fact that he wasn't able to do very much in this game in general. Yeah, uh, not much more to say on this game either. This was a Chargers team that was rolling. Their defense was playing well. <coughs> and Baker was kind of just shut down completely. Yeah, so let's go to the final game of the season where at Seattle they have a chance to ruin Seattle's playoff hopes. Um, and Baker is just really bad at this one. Uh, puts the ball in harm's way multiple times, get, gets punished once for it. Um, takes five sacks. Three of them were his fault for me. Um, yeah, just a very Baker Mayfield-type performance um, to, to cap out the season. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's it. a great way to say it. Uh, for the Seahawks, who are trying to go in the playoffs. They, the Rams did kind of make this like a close divisional brawl. And because of that, uh, the Rams are kind of always in it. And the only reason nothing ever happened was because literally Baker Mayfield. I mean, the run game was rolling. They had the opportunities, but Baker just couldn't get anything going. His accuracy was meh at best. And he just had like... No help either. It, it was just awful to see. All right. So that, that'll wrap up each of uh, our breakdowns for Baker Mayfield. Um, let's quickly run through Kyle Trask and John Wolford, what we think about them. So Kyle Trask didn't really have many snaps, but coming out of Florida, he was second-round pick. Um, I wasn't really the biggest fan of Kyle Trask as, as a prospect. I thought um, – his accuracy was overstated by the box score. I thought he had a ton of help from his receivers. Um, and yeah, I wasn't, I, I didn't really have a great um, evaluation for his, his feel. Um, yeah, just not, not, a, not a player I was really a fan of. He, he does take some chances, but uh, I wouldn't expect him to develop into anything more than a backup. And as for John Wolford, both of his starts last year were like absolutely horrendous. Um, hopefully he never sees the field because that would be pretty bad for um, the viewer's eyes, I would say. <laughs> yeah, with Kyle Trask, uh, I've mentioned this with a lot of other quarterbacks, backup quarterbacks. Uh, a lot of teams like to keep these guys around who have played like a long time at their colleges at big time SEC schools. Obviously, Florida is a major college uh, and he played two full seasons as a starter there. So he's got a lot of lot of experience and I think when you've got that you can kind of just slide into every offense but I don't really see any potential for him being a starter he's kind of been a backup at this point I feel like with the Bucks, that's kind of his role right now and I don't really expect him to go higher or lower than that per very much and John Wolford I've I mean 
he started two games last year, and I felt like he was pretty clearly not a NFL-ready quarterback. He looked almost gimmicky, some could say. And I think he's fine as a third string. He's someone you could just throw in there if worst comes to worst. All right. So that'll wrap up our review of the Tampa Bay Bucks room. So let's move on to maybe one of the more intriguing rooms um, in the league. Um, oh, actually, quickly before we yeah. before we get into that, um, let's give a <laughs> let's give let's give a range. Um, I don't think we want to talk about scheme fit because this is like a heavily rebuilding team, and we're not really sure where they're gonna go. But let's quickly give a range for each of their finishes. So Baker Mayfield, um, good a good season for him would be looking like a high end backup. Um, maybe a, he can cro- creep into that low end starter range. Um, if he randomly has an insane bounce back, looks like the athlete he was um, a while back, he could become a starting level quarterback. Uh, but at the low end, like he was last year, he would be like a low end backup. Um, Kyle Trask, probably something like a higher end backup um, is what a good season would look like. Um, if he had a great season, it would probably look like a low end starter maybe. Um, but also the floor is like a low backup um, like it is for Mayfield. And then Wolford, um, pretty small range for him. I think he's going to be like a lower end backup. Um, maybe if he has some development, he could be like in the middle tier for backups, but, um, at the floor looks more like a, like a really normal third stringer. Yeah. Uh, first, before I talk about the rankings, I like that you said that we're not really going to talk about fit because this is cr- clearly a tanking slash transition year and Baker is just a bridge quarterback. So there's not much to say there. And with that being said, I think Baker is going to be a high-end backup to maybe the bottom low-end starter uh, in terms of where he is. I think if he has a slightly better season, maybe returns to some of that accuracy that he had in Cleveland. Because I really don't think he's going to bounce back athletically with all the injuries and the fact that he wasn't really a great athlete to begin with. Uh, but I think if he maybe got some accuracy, he could maybe be a mid-20s quarterback at best. And at worst, he may gets benched and is like a mid-level backup. Uh, Kyle Trask, I'm pretty sure he'll be a low-end backup. I don't see him having much more of a ceiling than that. And I think if he plays bad, he could fall out of the backup type of level. And Wolford, I honestly think he's perfectly fine being a third stringer and I don't see him moving from there whatsoever all right so let's move on to one of the more intriguing quarterback rooms in the league um and that's the Green Bay Packers so the Packers are going in with Jordan Love as the starter Sean Clifford as the backup and Danny Etling as third stringer so you can immediately see just by looking at the depth chart without us even offering our opinions on it um that their depth is is extremely weak and they're and no really pushing whatsoever. Yeah, and they're really pushing in they're pushing all their chips um, to the front of the table with Jordan Love here. Um so let's kind of let's go quickly through um, Jordan Love's experience in the NFL and then I'll talk a little bit about um, what we think about what he was in college and um, what he could potentially be looking like for this year. So um, Love got a few snaps at the end of the game uh, against Minnesota. Um, didn't really do much. It was just a few easy passes that he got. He also got some time against the Jets when they were getting blown out. Um, completed a couple out of four passes for a short yardage. Not really much to take away there. 
Um, and the last one that I want to talk about before we do a little bit more of a deep dive together um, is the Week 17 Minnesota game where you got a couple of passes, didn't really do much there. Again, short passes. So let's talk about that Philadelphia game um, where Aaron Rodgers left for some time and Jordan Love uh, led the Packers for a touchdown drive. And it, it was a pretty impressive game overall, in my opinion. So let's just start on that one. So he completed six of his nine passes in that short period for 113 yards and a touchdown. But the more impressive thing to me was he worked really well in terms of timing and arm strength um, in the Packers in breaking routes and, and what they wanted to do alongside. I thought he looked comfortable trying to create and test tight windows. And there was this especially good pass along the right sideline to Aaron Jones in a tight window. It's a cover two hole shot with Aaron Jones running up the sideline and he just drives the ball with velocity and accuracy and it hits him in the chest, but love can't come up or uh, Jones can't come up with it. So I thought I was very impressed with that throw um, throw to Christian Watson for the touchdown. He didn't do much of the work, but he put the ball accurately on Christian Watson's chest and Watson took it for the touchdown there. Um, and then there were a number of passes where he just put the ball in a catchable spot for his receiver. Um, and it looked like a decidedly different player than, than we saw in 2021, which we'll get to in, uh, shortly. So what were your thoughts on that Eagles game? Um, what can we take away from it? Yeah, this game definitely intrigued me because this Eagles team obviously went to the Super Bowl, one of the best teams in the league, which had one of the best defenses in the league. And as PD said, Jordan Love was thrown into this game, not expecting to play and no game plan really because uh, Aaron Rodgers went down for a bit and he came in and had a very impressive drive. And maybe that did kind of come to his advantage because the Eagles weren't particularly expecting it, but that doesn't necessarily take away from how good of a drive that was. Uh, he seemed comfortable in the pocket, was making his good decisions, uh, was hitting his players with solid accuracy, as PD was saying, did a good job at reading defenses and hitting that cover two hole shot right where <laughs> it hurted the defense. Uh, but at the end of the day, I feel like it was such a small sample size that it's hard to take something away. But it's definitely a step in the right direction because he looked a lot more competent than he did in the two seasons prior. Yeah, speaking of those two seasons prior, um, we don't really have any sample for 2020. Um, so let's go to the 2021 game where um, he does have five for, he does have five completions on seven passes against New Orleans in week one uh, when they got blown out and uh, Rodgers was having a little bit of a uh, of a weird one in that one. Um, and he does have um, a small stint against Minnesota. But the two games that I did want to talk about um, were against Kansas City and when he got the second half to play uh, against Detroit. So um, let's start with this Kansas City one. This, this was where it looked really rough for Love. Um, he put the ball in harm's way three times, only two of them – or two of them were dropped. Um, his accuracy looked really poor. He didn't look like he knew where he was going consistently with the football. Um, this was the point where I was like very concerned with his development um, because he did not look like a guy who was a second-year quarterback. He looked like a guy who was uh, more like a fifth-round rookie type thing, being thrust into action, um, not like a first-rounder who was who had experience behind the scenes or something like that. So. Um, yeah, th this game looked pretty awful, uh, in my opinion. What were your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. When this game happened, a lot of people were completely out on Jordan Love because of how poor he looked 
And like PD said, this is something you may have expected from a quarterback who was just like getting his action when the starter went down in his first season ever as a late round pick. He didn't really look like he knew what he was doing. Didn't really look like uh, he knew how to run the offense. And mind you, this Packers team was rolling. This offense was very good at this point. Uh, I believe that this was an MVP Rodgers year, and they had a lot. Of, this was one of his better offenses that they had surrounded Rodgers with. And Jordan Love completely killed it. Nothing really was going their way. Uh, he was missing a lot of throws, and the offense was just kind of terrible. Yeah, um, rough game in that one. And then also the Detroit second half that he got in Week 18, um, that one looked pretty bad too. He had a bad fumble in that one, uh, put the ball in harm's way for two interceptions, um, did an okay job managing pressure, um, but really like those two interceptions and the fumble just really um, hurt the Packers' chances uh, of winning. And, yeah, I didn't think he played a great game. Despite the fact that he was getting the ball out quickly, um, he still managed to put the ball in harm's way that many times. Um, not a great sign for his development, but as we mentioned, um, it did get better in 2022. Yeah, uh, I also was not particularly impressed in this game at all. Uh, he still looked like that quarterback that was kind of thrown in and had a deer in headlights, even though this was the end of his second year where supposedly he should be almost there, even as a project quarterback, almost there where he should be ready. Uh, the amount of mistakes he made in a short period of time was kind of terrible. Uh, he did have a 62-yard uh, touchdown pass to Segura uh, or Deguera, however you want to say it, uh, which was, I guess, somewhat impressive and kind of carried his stats, but overall just still not impressed. Yeah, that one was mostly Yak, so very much helped his stats. But, um, yeah, th that'll wrap up our discussion of um, – Jordan Love's time in the NFL. Very short, not much sample to work off. Um, so I wanted to talk about how I felt about him as a prospect coming out of Utah State um, and what can we, we can learn from his uh, strengths and weakness from there and, and how he's progressed. So um, Love at Utah State was seen as more of like a project type. Um, I thought he had good feel for the position and had excellent uh, arm talent in terms of both velocity, flexibility, um, and max distance. All, he checked all the boxes, and I think he will enter the league next year having probably a tier two arm. Um, I don't want to put him in the the tier with some of the guys we'll see at the top of the list, like um, spoiler Patrick Mahomes or someone like that. But um, I, I think that his arm talent is very real, and it allows him to have a greater margin of error in terms of things like anticipation and accuracy because he can really fire the ball into tight windows like that. Um, additionally, I think his mobility is very strong. Um, he's able to work his way out of pressure, um, and he has a good sense, honestly, for um, evading pressure. I don't think he gets himself into trouble that much. Um, and the thing that really needed to, really needed work, in my opinion, uh, when he was at Utah State, is that he didn't really have um, much in terms of reading things that looked like NFL concepts. And I think you can see that translate to the NFL, where he's needed a long time. To, to really get up to speed with an NFL offense. And the Packers offense is not the easiest thing to learn. Um, we can even see examples with like Aaron Rodgers, who is one of the great quarterbacks ever. And he took a full year to adjust to how the Packers wanted to play offense. You could really only see it starting to get to the, the, the place where they were really operating on all cylinders in 2020 and 2021. He did take that, that kind of quote unquote gap year to, to figure it out in 2019. Um, so I don't think it's, 
unreasonable that Love has taken some time to get up to speed with the Packers offense and the NFL in general. Um, in terms of what he might look like next year, I think that his best fit for now, um, based on what we know about him, is working off these kind of um, run styles that uh, the Packers like to go through with, with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Um, I think both of those guys can really uh, help to set up the play-action game with Christian Watson and in continued development from younger guys like uh, Samori Toure and Romeo Dobbs. Um, and I think that um, there's significant upside here in terms of um, the processing and the feel and the ability to play the actual dropback game um, because we don't have much sample for that. And that's something that you really need a lot of sample to determine if the quarterback is really good at. Um, and so that's, that's a, that causes a great degree of uncertainty for something like the range, which we'll discuss shortly. So um, what are your thoughts on his game in general and maybe what he might look like in terms of style of play next year? Yeah, so the first thing I want to touch on is traits, obviously. I agree with a lot of what you said about the way he plays. Uh, he has a huge arm, one of uh, definitely amazing arm talent, and that's exactly why he was drafted in the first round. And I do agree that that will get him out of a lot of situations. In terms of body type, he's got what it takes to be an NFL quarterback. Uh, he's got mobility. I don't particularly know if he's going to have any factor in the run game at any point. I don't think he was ever a threat at even Utah State, where obviously the defense were defenses were much worse. So I don't see him ever being a rushing threat, uh, which is kind of limits the what you can do with his mobility, but that's always good to have. Uh, but as far as what I heard about his college career because at this point in time I was not really watching uh Jordan Love is I heard he's being drafted off his like sophomore year that 2018 season where he was obviously incredible and the following year a lot of guys graduated the coaching staff changed and they were pretty terrible and that screwed him over and uh, I I do feel like I do feel sympathy for him. I do think it's a problem. Uh, I do think that's that was a problem and that definitely ruined his junior year. But as as great of an athlete and as good of an arm as he has, it's tough to really see what his game is going to be when the last time we saw him at what he was supposed to be was 2018 at Utah State against really really low level defenses. So as far as what type of player he is. I'm honestly kind of up in the air. He could have matured a lot since, and we've seen him grow a little bit, obviously, as we've talked about between 2021 and 2022. He's improved a lot. He looks like a much different quarterback uh, than he was, obviously, back in college. Uh, but the problem is, at this point in time, he is in year four. He is about to be 24 years old. He does not have that much more time to start getting things going and hopefully this is his year the Packers have put everything in him and like me and PD both said he does have the traits to be a high uh, to be an NFL quarterback it's really whether he can start actually playing against NFL defenses read them consistently and beat them game by game as a starter which we just haven't seen obviously hasn't had the opportunity but it's been a learning curve for him. And as far as how he, he fits within 
the Packers offense. I think the Packers have started off the Jordan Love era with a very similar problem with uh, that they had throughout the Aaron Rodgers era, which was they don't really have too much help around him. And recently they have drafted well in terms of skill positions, but I'm pretty disappointed at with how they haven't really put a lot of effort into finding a good offensive line to protect their young quarterback because I feel like that's super important for someone especially like him that needs to develop quickly. Uh, I do think Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, uh, that tandem of running backs fit Jordan Love's play style well because they're very versatile. They can do a lot in the backfield, and Jordan Love's definitely going to have a more variety offense that's going to need versatile guys like that. And in terms of receivers, I think fast guys who can get big plays vertically downfield and really utilize what Jordan Love is best at and even help him out in playmaking like Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs. I think guys like that are good, but they definitely don't have much depth at the receiver position or pass catchers in general. Not too much talent there, which is definitely a concern. Yeah, the one thing I'm going to strongly disagree there with is the offensive line. Um, I think if you want to say that Bakhtiari's regression um, is imminent with how many injuries he's had, that's fine. Um, But I think that they've done a good job with filling out both the starters and the depth along that line. And I do believe in them to have a strong offensive line next year. And definitely agree with you, the depth of their receivers is is pretty bad. Um, I think that there's a world where their starters by the end of the year look like an actually good group because I really do believe that Christian Watson has, has a lot of potential and I love his fit with Jordan Love, especially if they play like a type the type of offense that I was talking about with heavy play action and um, letting Christian Watson, Watson go down the field and, and just kind of space for the other receivers. Um, they were doing that a lot last year and Watson had a ton of deep touchdowns with Rodgers and I could see a similar thing with Love and his, and his big time arm. Um but yeah, um, the depth at receiver beyond wide receiver two, I would say, is definitely a question for me. They did try to address um, these issues with drafting Jaden Reed, Luke Musgrave, and, and Tucker Craft. But again, I don't want to count on rookies um, to fill those those holes. Um, I think they will definitely lean on their run game and, and the play action stuff to start at the, at the very least. Um, and as Jordan Love shows more and more upside in the basic dropback game, they can um, look more into um, how they want to utilize that. Um, so let's give a range for how um, Jordan Love will play this season. Um, oh, do we want to touch on Sean Clifford and Danny Etling at all, or or do we want to just? Uh, I guess we can go over them briefly. I mean, Sean Clifford, uh, late round draft pick. Uh, we don't really know much of him. He hasn't played, obviously. Uh, probably a low end backup. I don't think I don't think he's gonna be <laughs> even backup level. And the Packers should pray Jordan Love doesn't go down. And very similar thing with Danny Etling. I didn't even know he existed until he showed up on this roster, and he really hasn't played. So they just kind of have to hope neither of those two play. Yeah. Um. Not a fan of Sean Clifford's Penn State tape at all. Um. Do not think he was. Uh, a very good college player, and I don't think that um, he should be seeing NFL action uh, this season if the Packers want to win games. All right, now for the juicy part. Let's get to Jordan Love's range. So I think that there's a really gigantic range for this one. Um, Love's inexperience just gives me 
a huge amount of uncertainty uh, about what kind of player he is. Um, and the fact that I liked his play as a prospect, especially with 2018 and um, how horrid the situation was in 2019. I want to give a little bit more weighting to that. Um, it's been a really long time, so I do want to shrink the interval a little bit because he's a little bit older than he was back then. But I can still see a world um, where Jordan Love looks like a solid top half starter. Um, and maybe if everything goes right and those traits actualize and he's um, he's working with the basic dropback game really well, um, and he fits with the play-action scheme. He could even sneak into a higher end um, than uh, looking like a top-half starter. Um, but I do want to project the the median outcome lower, um, and the reason that they the Packers are at number 29 on this list is because we do believe that Jordan Love is likely in the lower end of the starting uh, quarterbacks, and um, even by the end of the year, probably just looking like a starter. Um and then talking about what his low end could be, um, we've already seen some of that. Um, he looked really bad in 2021. And despite the fact that uh, 2022 showed some growth, uh, even in small sample, we don't want to ignore that part. And when we do think that um, his his low end could be um, in that backup range and in the low end backup range. Um, so huge range here. Um Maybe if everything breaks right and his traits actualize, he's looking like a fringe top 10 quarterback. But if things go poorly, he's looking like maybe like the 55th best quarterback. So gigantic range. Um, one of the biggest ranges probably that we'll, of a player that we'll discuss because we know so little and he has such tantalizing tools. Um, and then talking about Sean Clifford and um, Danny Etling's ranges. Um, Sean Clifford I see as a low-end backup. Um or no, not even a low-end backup. His median is probably in the third string. If he does well, he can probably be a low-end backup. And uh, um, lower end, he probably looks like a guy who doesn't deserve to be on the roster. Um, Danny Etling as well, like a low-end, like a mediocre third-stringer type thing. Uh, high end, he probably looks like a low-end backup. And um, lower end outcomes, he looks like a guy who doesn't deserve to be on the roster. Yeah, uh, I'll dive right into Jordan Love then. I, I also completely agree that this guy has an absolutely massive range. And I think you're always going to kind of get that when you have someone with as little experience as Jordan Love. And he's been on an NFL roster three years. Uh, he's obviously going to have an offseason now under his belt, being the focus of the offense. He's definitely got the experience to come out and impress, but... I'd say his medium outco- median outcome, based off what I've seen in previous years, based off the fact that he's in his fourth year and kind of only has one year to play and work out the kinks of his game against real defenses, uh, he kind of has to prove it now. And I just don't see him having the experience and abilities to prove it now. And I think most likely he will end up looking like a high-level backup playing out there and maybe being a bridge guy to the Packers' next quarterback because he just can't get things right. And on the high level, I do think that there is a world where Jordan Love actually uses these traits. He's been learning under Rodgers all this time. Uh, Who knows how much Rodgers has or has not helped him because you kind of don't know what the guy – And maybe the Packers have been planning for this ever since they've drafted him back in 2020. And this was the plan all all along. He comes in and he looks like a average to the top 
just under top 20 quarterback with maybe potential to continue going because at the end of the day, he is only 24. And I think at the low end, he could look like a mid-level backup, someone who doesn't even deserve to be uh, even remotely considered the fran- a franchise quarterback. But as much as there is a huge range of where Jordan Love could be, I really do see him most likely ending up around that medium outcome of maybe he sneaks into being a bottom-level starter, but I don't see him being able to be more than just a backup at this point in time. I think the... I think the verdict's kind of out on him already, and I would have loved for him to have gone to another team because at the time he was drafted, based off what little I knew, I did think this was a project that could have had potential, but the whole Aaron Rodgers saga kind of delayed his timeline by a couple of years, and at this point his lease is a lot shorter than it would have him would have been had he started year one or maybe even year two, and he hasn't really had time to work on his game in actual in an actual football field uh he hasn't even played like meaningful football to what most people are saying about Jordan Love since 2018 which is 5 years from now uh it's very very confusing to what he's going to end up being because of all the uncertainty but uh i guess we'll see and in terms of Sean Clifford and Danny Elling uh i'm i'll keep it short i think Clifford i guess has potential to maybe be a backup but I think he'll be around a third string level and I think Danny Etling probably won't be on an NFL roster too long yeah um you mentioned a point here that I wanted to touch on before we get out um kind of excited to be a little bit because um I get all nerdy about this stuff but you can look at like Jordan Love's footwork and the, the way he does things and you can see like he tries so hard to be Aaron Rodgers. It's actually kind of hilarious. Um, he throws off both toes very often. Um, his throwing motion has changed um, since he came out of college to look like Jordan or look like Aaron Rodgers. Um, the way he drops back to, he's got that lazy, languid type of footwork that Aaron Rodgers has as a signature style. Um, he has a couple of false steps sometimes, which Rodgers has kind of made a part of his game. Um, you can like like. You mentioned Aaron Rodgers helping him. I don't know if it's helping him because Rodgers is one of the unique guys in history who can pull off with these wonky mechanics. Um, but you can see he's definitely copying Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I don't know if it helps or hurts, but he, he definitely is learning something. I'll say it like that. That's very interesting. That's not something I'd ever heard about or noticed and definitely something I'll look out for. And I guess it makes sense because if it is Rodgers, a whole like – mechanics is very funky and kind of like lazy looking kind of kind of like you said it's very unique and I mean I guess it is something pretty easy to spot and uh I guess Jordan Love they did kind of want to model him off Rodgers he does have uh, I guess you could say similar traits to Rodgers a young Rodgers and they're kind of following a similar career path so that is very very interesting all right that'll be the end of the episode for us uh make sure you like leave a rating do what you need to do on whatever platform you're listening on um that'll be all for me that'll be all from potty we'll see you guys in the next one with ranking number 28 and 27